morning, everyone. Welcome to our um, church and the communion table. Okay, this is our serious time of trying to make heaven and earth meet. So give God a confession and then invite him down. Our Heavenly Father, our Creator, our King, our Lord, our Judge, and above all, our Father, we come to your throne of majesty and grace. We're here to acknowledge your greatness and to thank you for your goodness. We praise you for what you are, and we thank you for what you have done. The greatest thing you have ever done for us is to loving, is to love us, so much so that he gave us your only begotten son, the eternal son of God, second person of the triune, the trinity. You send him into this world, live a sinless life, but to die to pay for our sins so that we might be seen in your eyes as holy, as saints, even though we don't meet it practically yet and positionally, you are already sanctifying us. For this, we thank you. We know we're not worthy of your love nor your grace, but it is your will, and we pray that your will be done, and we receive your love and grace, and we pray that we don't abuse it. We, we know that uh, we don't meet your standard. We fall short of your glory in our daily lives, in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Maybe less the sins of commission, but more sins of omission, as we know more of what we should do. So, Lord, we know that we cannot reach you by our hand, but you have reached down from heaven to pick us up to your bosom. For that, we thank you. We have received Christ's love, and we pray that we will be proven faithful, and we pray that you will continue your work of sanctification and the final glorification. And we trust in your power and in your goodness. And during the process, give us faithfulness, give us repentance, give us victory over sin. We pray in Jesus' name.
in our devotional uh, communion uh, devotionals, and we have just finished a series talking about the seven major covenants of God and man, right? Remember, we have Adamic, we have Noahic, we have Abrahamic. Then we have uh, Mosaic, we have Davidic, and we have the New Covenant. And finally, all of these will arrive with the Jews at the end, and that's called the Millennial. Okay, so seven major covenants, that covers all history. So today, let's begin a new uh, series. I'm talking about the comparative study of the Old and New Covenants. Because the two major covenants in the Bible are the Old Covenant, which is the Mosaic one, and the New Covenant, which is, you may say, Jesus one, or the Messianic one. Okay. And what are the differences? Is there any advantage to be under the New Covenant than under the Old Covenant? Well, you all say yes, but how? <laughs> okay, that's where we're going we're gonna to say it. Okay. So today we're talking about what's the nature of the Old Covenant. Old Covenant is a conditional one, okay? It's based on, it's like the relationship between parents and children, okay? Do children understand the moral principles of the parents? They don't, okay? But what do they understand? Well, bribes and, uh, and spanks, <laughs> okay? So, uh, that is how God related to humanity before the Holy Spirit came in, before Christ. Okay? And the sample of humanity God chose from all nations was Israel, right? So God gave Israel His laws. We have tomes of laws, okay? And uh, they keep on adding. The more uh, violations, the more addition. So the laws will keep on uh, adding. Think about our laws, our country's laws. In the beginning, we just had the Constitution. What happened later? We have, well, federal laws, local laws, and, and, <laughs> and the decrees, and the executive orders, and then we have ordinance, and city ordinance, and endless addition. The more violation there is, the more laws are there, right? And until now, nobody remembers all of it, right? And therefore, there's a need of lawyers, right? So they will take care of us when we don't, they, they will take care of us. All right, so um, the life under the law is just like that. It's a relationship between rulers and citizens, between parents and children who don't quite understand yet. But they, what they do understand are physical benefits and pains, okay? So that's what Old Covenant is, okay? God talking to Israel like parents, like parents to young Children. Children must be ruled by rules, right? And the parents must be clear and uh, uncompromising, right? What happens when you compromise? Will the children take advantage of you? Oh, yes, all right? So that's why the law seems so severe, because God cannot compromise. Otherwise, He's just taking advantage of, right? So he gives good incentive for obedience, and he gives harsh warning for disobedience. Okay? And that's what the Old Covenant is about. Okay? You have a standard. If you do good, reward it. If you do bad, punish it. Okay? Let me read you some about the blessings in the Old Covenant. Okay? Now it shall be, 
if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beast, and increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to def be defeated before you. They shall come out uh, against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. And so on and so on. Sounds good? Right. Every people want their own people to be high above other nations, right? Even Americans say American what? First, right? America first. At least someone saying that. That's normal, right? And, um, <coughs> and uh, um, so it's normal that Jewish people want to be the first nation of God above all nations. Normal. We, we, we think the same. Okay? And how about being uh, blessed uh, in the sense that whatever you do, you harvest much more than you put in. You, I once went to Las Vegas, not a good example, but I... The only time I gambled, I put in 100, uh, put in, uh, um, how, how much did I put in? Uh, I put in $20. Once, I pulled once, out came $100. Sound good? I stopped? Yes. <laughs> Most people cannot stop and they'll give it back, right? So, uh, what if everything is like that? You put in $20, came out $100 immediately, one push. Sounds like blessing, right? Okay? If you raise cows, every time they have twins, you know? Nice, right? Okay. If, if you dig for oil, every time it's puffing. Gusher. It's a gusher. How about that? Yeah? <coughs> okay. So, if you ride, if, if, if you breed a horse, it's a champion. Okay? Everyone is secretariat. Okay. <coughs> What kind of life is that? It's wonderful, right? It's a blessed life. Okay, kids, going to school. Every time you get A, guaranteed. Okay? No matter how little you put in efforts, you just understand the immediate one look in there. How about that? That's a blessed life. But <coughs> the question is, how must, what must you do to keep being blessed? Well, for Israel... They have to have everyone obeying all the law, all the times. How likely will that state remain? Almost zero. It won't stay. It may have a beginning, that one, one moment, and then everything is going down later. Right? You see, that's the life under the law. Yes, you can be blessed but you have to be obedient on all matters at all times, which is impossible for us, normal human beings, fallen, okay? 
So that's why life under the law may seem good and may seem easy. A lot of people like life under the law rather than under grace. Because they say, this is clear and the other is too vague. But the clear one requires you to be obedient at all times on all matters, which is impossible. That's why life under the law may begin good, it always inevitably fall into misery at the end. Okay, so look at Israel. At the beginning, okay, they had a judge of they have the Exodus. God led them out. Conquest, God led them in. They had the judges. God being their king, judges being administrators, and uh, if you have uh, sinned, well, God will punish you a little bit, and then you repent, God immediately save you, send your judge, save you. So God is your king. You're not perfect, but God is your king, so he's always having mercy, and he only tax you 10%. Well, people said, well, we don't want to obey God, so we want a king like other nations. Okay, he would take another 10%. And more. And he never stops the increasing of the taxes. And he will defend you sometimes, but not when he's not feeling like it. Like David later, he slept late and he got up late and he saw a woman and he sinned. Then his country was in trouble. You see? So, and at first it was one nation, then dividing the two nations. And the two nations, one was taken away, only one surviving nation. And me, that was taken away. So, you see? <laughs> life under the law, it may seem clear-cut, it may seem easy life, but it is not looking good at the end. Okay. So what is the hope for believers of God? How can you be blessed in the eternal way, in, in a way that you don't have to worry the new covenant? Okay, we shall deal with that later. So today we know the blessings under the old covenant. It may seem good, but it's impossible to maintain. And the next week, well, next, sorry, next week I'm out of town. Uh, Rick will do the communion and uh, Cliff will do the sermon. And I'll be preaching in Denton, the evangelistic meeting for three Chinese churches, okay, united. And after that, uh, I'll come back. The week after that, okay, when we gather again, we're going to do this. We're going to do the curses under the old covenant. And they are terrible. Okay, so let's recognize being under the new covenant is much better than being under the old covenant. And we can be under the new covenant because of Jesus Christ. He came into the world. He is God. He's the only God man who has sin, no sin. He shouldn't have died because what is death? Death is the wage of sin, right? And he has no sin, he shouldn't have died. But he gave up his life voluntarily because of love for us and obedience to the Father. So we who believe in him, we have accepted his payment for our sins, and therefore we can be free from debt to God, and therefore we can have eternal life. What a great blessing. Nothing can beat that. No love is greater than giving one's life. That. Christ Jesus did. So we are gathering today together to remember that because of that, we who believed entered the new covenant. So we should always be grateful and always try our best to be obedient, thus not abusing the new, the, uh, the new covenant that has been gracefully given to us. The body of Christ was given to us. We take this bread in remembrance of him.
and the blood of Christ was shed for us, we drink this in remembrance of him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for being God, you became a man. Being sinless, you accepted death. Loving us, you gave us your life. And being the Lord, you guaranteed eternity. We thank you. We love you for loving us first. We accept your embrace, and we pray that we shall embrace you by opening up, letting you crack our shell, let your, uh, your heart come in, and then your blood cover us, and then your hand lead us. We pray that we shall follow till the eternity. In your name we pray.